0: It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg.
1: Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. You know, I don't
0: hold a hose, mate,
1: and I don't give you the control.
0: control. There are answers that only can come from Victoria, I'm afraid, because that's not my job. But well, I ain't spending any time, mate, because
1: in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland.
0: Well, day, listeners, and welcome to Hard Hats and High Viz Week 25 of the podcast coming to you, recording on the 3rd of October, 2022. And joining me, as usual, though, a bit late because uh, uh, there's no daylight savings uh, changes in Hong Kong, uh, is Hong Kong Jack. How are you, mate? Good morning, mate. Good morning. Yes, indeed, Uh, it is. And we have had uh, our... uh, our daylight savings kick in uh, across eastern Australia, with the exception of Queensland. We go into mad time zones all across the country now. The Queenslanders won't have it because the curtains will fade, uh, which, I, which is a piece of logic I've never, frankly, understood. So, as if you get more light. You just get it at different
1: times. Uh, what's, what's the What's the old joke? You, you turn your um, uh, your watch back an hour and you're calendar about twenty years. when We are Brisbane, hundred, I think. This is the joke. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> to, to be To be fair, daylight saving doesn't work in tropical areas. So, um, and Queensland has quite a lot of them. So,
0: oh, uh, they have uh, very very quick. The closer you get to the equator, the uh, the shorter the. Um, uh, the sun sets and sun rises, of course, um, but uh, yeah, look, it it, it doesn't uh, doesn't work in WA. So they're now three hours behind uh, Eastern Australia, with the exception of Queensland. As are we. Yeah, so we're all on three. We're all on the three hours. So we've got it. We, we, we've we've made we've made some adjustments today, yeah. uh, and uh, and the big story really coming from Canberra, Jack, is not quite the legislative creation. The the, the the uh, the NACC bill remains a bill. It has to go through the Senate uh, and then back to the House and uh, <clears throat> before it can get up and running. But now we know the shape and form of it. Have you had a good
1: look at what's being proposed? Well, I've had a wander through it. I was looking for some kind of indication of what it was trying to fix and I couldn't find one. Um, my view is that You can rank the corruption in Australian politics and it works in reverse order. The most corrupt is local government. The next most corrupt is state government and the least corrupt is the federal government. Um, And I can't find anywhere in in the bill or the um, material the government have attached to it that tells you what the problem is that they're trying to fix. What's the corruption that they're trying to fix? I don't think there is much corruption in federal Federal politics,
0: yeah. I look, up, look. We'll just we'll just move on to what it is, what it proposes to do. It is, of course, an election promise uh, uh, from the Albanese government, so they have to deliver on it. In fact, it was, a, it was an election promise of the Morrison government, and they didn't get around to it. Um, but the new body called the National Anti Corruption. Commission, that's the NAWC, has a broad jurisdiction to investigate Commonwealth ministers, parliamentarians, staff, the heads and employees of Commonwealth agencies, government contractors and their employees, Defence Force members, statutory office holders and appointees, officers and directors of Commonwealth companies and people or bodies providing services. Uh, exercising powers or performing functions on behalf of the Commonwealth. That does also include third parties, those people not necessarily involved in government. It will be able to investigate both criminal and non-criminal corrupt conduct, such as abuse of office, breach of public trust, and misuse of information. It can investigate conduct occurring before its establishment, meaning its powers are retrospective. Uh, so, for example, when you're looking, when, when we are looking for one example, we might look at the sports rorts matter, um, Jack, and that would be, as I understand it, reading uh, various legal opinions on the weekend. That would perhaps be a matter that could be subject to investigation. <laughs>
1: See, I don't think the sports-wrought matter involved corruption. What it involved was people making decisions that other people disagreed with. In the end, someone's got to decide where this money is going to be spent, if it's going to be spent at all. Um, And you you have a choice that's either decided by elected uh, parliamentarians or by a non-elected public service, and frankly, I would rather the elected parliamentarians make that decision and if they get it wrong, they get chucked out at the next election. I understand what you're saying, but we're, we're in
0: that, in, in, using that as an example of sports shorts, where uh, a community had made an application for funding but was uh, and, and had gone through that process and had gone through the Department of Sport and had been green-lit only have to only to have that knocked over by a politician who determined that, uh, and a minister of course resigned over this, who had determined that 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 application had come from the from the wrong part of the electoral uh, of, of the electoral map, um, and uh, it was fairly obvious to anyone who had a look at it that basically what. What uh, the government was doing, the then government was doing back in 2018, was securing, trying to reduce its, um, the, the, they believed they were going to lose the 2019 election, the Morrison government, and, uh, and they were in the business of, um, shall we say, pork barreling its own marginal electorates. So they they, didn't, they thought they were going to lose, but they didn't want to lose by that much. Um, as I say the the legal opinion that I've got is that the sports rorts program may well be subject to uh, to an, to to an inquiry under this NACC body um, but for, for example the uh, the leppington the leppington uh, land purchase which was valued at two million dollars and was ultimately sold. Uh, or uh, ultimately was uh, $20 million was given by the Commonwealth, uh,
1: the lawyers tell me would
0: not be investigated.
1: Yeah, I, and I've not seen any anything about the Leppington thing that amounts to corruption anywhere. It might have been a mistake. Maybe they got it wrong, but I don't see anything approaching corruption. I just don't see what this whole thing... I don't see the problem this whole thing's meant to fix. Okay, fair enough. All right, so one of the big issues was uh,
0: that uh, uh, and uh, the Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus uh, has, had claimed prior to the election that it was important to hold public hearings. And now it appears that the, the public hearings will be at the discretion of the NACC commissioner. Uh, And that seems to be a reasonable thing, Jack. What do you think on on the business of public hearings, that that, that, that the commission should make that determination, not the parliament or no other
1: body? Well, what we don't want is what happens in New South Wales, where people's careers are, are destroyed on the basis of an allegation.
0: Yeah, but the ICAC does make a determination on what's public and what's not. And probably the public hearing's element is around about one-fifth to one-sixth of all its investigations. So it makes that determination too. Um, all right, so... Uh, we the so-
1: ICAC in New South Wales was a mistake. I can see the problem in New South Wales they were trying to fix, but the way they went about it was a mistake. Um, uh, but... Not only is the way they're going about this federally a mistake, I just don't see the problem it's trying to fix. No-one's no been able to point out this is the kind of thing we're going to stop. It just doesn't exist well, anywhere in their arguments.
0: So you would think things like the regional grants program, under, regardless of which government it is, basically, that's a huge slush fund of money um, and can be used for electoral uh, benefits. For perceived electoral benefit, uh, <coughs> and uh, this is often, the, you know, these the, the, the sledges are made across the across the chamber. I think that's one of the things it's designed to to prevent. Hopefully, um, a similar investigation was undertaken over the Berejiklian government's grants program. Of course, it was complicated by the relationship she had with uh, with a uh, with another parliamentarian.
1: But pork-barrelling is politics, not corruption. Oh, it, depends. Yeah, it might be, it it might depends be bad politics. It, it might be bad politics and there's a political cost to pay for it and there ought to be, but the solution is political. The solution is not a body pretending to find corruption where corruption does not exist.
0: It doesn't seem odd that every state and territory has an anti-corruption body, but the feds didn't up until recently, very recent. Well, it's still not through the parliament. But, yeah, it doesn't it seem odd?
1: That's, no, that, that's, that's because that's the layer of corruption in Australia. It's worse at local government, a little bit better at state government, and almost non-existent in the federal government. So state governments need them. We've never had a, a prime minister accepting sacks of cash like Bob Askin did in New South Wales. We've never had that at all, never will have. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so there isn't really the same problem to fix, at the federal level, and the the government's wholly failed. All the the proponents of this have wholly failed to point out anything more than people making decisions that they don't like.
0: Okay, well, moving on uh, with a a, a cautionary note to journalists. The National Anti-Corruption Commission, the NAC, will be able to tap journalists' phones and conduct raids on newsrooms. If an issuing officer rules that the public interest relating to such surveillance is greater than upholding the freedom of the press, Jack, one should be pretty concerned about that. Uh, there are fears that the apparent loophole in the NACC bill could deter whistleblowers from this is uh, from the Australian over the weekend could deter whistleblowers from approaching journalists as there is no ironclad guarantee that their anonymity, that is, of that of the whistleblower and the journalist, will be protected under the legislation. Below a subheading protection for journalist sources, the bill states that under the terms required for the issuing of a search warrant, the relevant officer would be required to weigh the public interest in issuing a warrant against the public interest in protecting the confidentiality of the identity, that is, the whistleblower, of the journalist's source.
1: I've got an inherent distrust of bodies like this um, behaving properly uh, in these circumstances.
0: Well, I guess the first thing I'd say, Jack, is I'm, I'm pleased that... That they are required to required to apply for warrants uh, <coughs> in in so many of our intelligence and securities networks, particularly around the storage of metadata and telecommunications, uh, there are warrantless searches, and they're undertaken by well, there's a there's a large group of law enforcement bodies that are allowed to access metadata, but. It turns out that a lot of other government agencies do as well without warrant checks. So that's the first thing. At least we've got a procedure there, Jack. But we do come against this issue, and it is an issue for um, the state bodies as well. And, and, and you, would know, uh, you, you, you would have known your fair share of whistleblowers. It's, a, it's an awful term, really, in many ways. But people who come out and wish to report on matters, often at great risk to themselves,
1: in doing so, and, and of varying degrees of reliability.
0: Well, sure enough, you, you're always going to find people that have that have got a, 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 a flea in their ear uh, about about their work environment and those sorts of things. But a whistleblower, you know. So, for example, Dennis Ryan was a was a whistleblower, and there were no there were no protections afforded to him. Um, and, and 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 basically, in the end, he ended up losing his job. So we do need to protect these people um, and let the process sort out whether they're amplifying their or exaggerating their claims, or whether that what they're saying is is genuine and needs to be investigated. Yeah, and no, I agree that that's that's something they, they need to do whistleblower protections, but they're not sufficient yet. They're they're really not sufficient. Your people can be absolutely slaughtered in the courts and uh, and have their reputations absolutely destroyed. Um, so yeah, so you're, you're not a fan of the NACC at all? I, I, I might be if they could explain why we need it. All right. Okay. Well, I think they've got about 320 odd million to get them through the next four years, Jack. We don't have a commissioner yet. In fact, as I say, the the, the bill remains so, it hasn't been enacted, and one would think that there will be some uh, amendments made in, in the Senate as it goes through there. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. It was an election promise. Uh, it's something that they had to do. Uh,
1: and uh, That's not a good enough reason to do it, in my view. Yeah, well, they couldn't have walked away from it. Politically, they couldn't have
0: walked away from it.
1: It would have uh, been see, that's that. that's a, now, now you're agreeing it's a political question, not a corruption question, it's a political question.
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, but, but you know, I mean, you simply can't um, um, uh, 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 go to the people and say this is what we're going to do, and then turn around in power and say no, we're not going to do that. I mean, <laughs> governments governments do that, but it makes them,
1: but it makes them uh, very untrustworthy. So they had to what, they had to follow through on through What this does is create a new thing that's not quite a crime, because we can actually fix all the criminal corruption that goes on pretty well, we have the laws to do that. This is creating a new status thing, which is non-criminal corrupt conduct, which is something invented out of whole, wholly out of thin air. Um, and, and that's a, a bad, bad mistake.
0: All right, well, um, um, I could think of one example. You, you might remember, this is very, very murky because it, prob- it wasn't properly investigated. And uh, that was the raid on the, uh, the AWU. Remember that? Uh, the raid, uh, we're probably going back to about 2016 now. Uh, and, and it would seem that someone within uh, a minister's department uh, had given the media a heads up on that. And that constitutes a criminal offence. But that was never properly investigated, for example, and and uh, and and uh, it would seem almost certain that the relevant staffer came from Akaya Cash, who was a minister of the crown at the time, came from uh, her office. But she actually uh, failed to provide a statement to the Australian Federal Police, which is astonishing from a minister of the crown, uh, and uh, and nothing
1: really took place as a result of it. Thank so let's. Dirty politics, and if it becomes a crime, it should be should be punished. But you don't. But it couldn't have be a, punished. But it couldn't be punished because, in the end, the minister said, "Well, I'm not going." Basically, said, "I'm not going to assist with with the police investigation," which is dirty politics, and there's and there are penalties for that. Labour paid the penalties for its sports rules, uh, sports rorts, um, for I can't think of her name now. Um, uh, uh, Kelly Rosemary Kelly, Rosemary um, Kelly, uh, yeah, uh, Ross Kelly with the. Um, with the big whiteboard, they the big paid white a price, price for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. they Got paid the a price for too. that, and they should have. And and the Morrison government paid a price for its dirty politics as well. That's how the thing thing gets fixed. It doesn't get fixed by magic. Um, spending three hundred million dollars on a on what is a rot, a lawyers rot.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, we'll see how that gets through the Senate the NACC bill. Uh, now that we've got some meat on the bones of that uh, of that election promise meanwhile in the Ukraine Jack then we're restricting our uh, discussions to domestic politics in hard hats and hives but there is a domestic element here because Australia has backed Ukraine's claims of genocide against Russia in the ICj the international Court of Justice in the Hague and expanded sanctions on senior members of Vladimir Putin's regime Um <coughs> Uh, the the, the very strange thing about the annexation uh, uh, of of, uh, the disputed territories in eastern Ukraine, Jack, is (laughs) that Ukraine has taken a fair bit more of them back, including taking the key town of Lyman, which is a um, sort of a a railway uh, network. Um, But, of course, uh, these sanctions have been imposed as a result of that annexation and the sham
1: referenda. Mm. How uh, how does the world deal with this? I don't think the International Court of Justice has much effect on it. And we have to remember that international law... um, is it like national or state law? It doesn't work the same way. Uh, there's no international policeman to enforce it. There are no real international courts to enforce these sort of things. It's a, International law is really just a series of treaties. Um, uh, so so
0: the, the ICJ could issue, if they perused the evidence uh, and, and made a determination, an independent determination, that X, Y and Z had committed, uh, war crimes, uh, and then it would issue warrants for their aw- their arrest, and
1: that's where it ends, doesn't it? Pretty much, yeah. 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 So unless the, 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 there is no knock on the door from a large chap with a blue shirt on, that's though. right. Uh, so, yeah. so Vladimir Putin, unless he jumps on the wrong plane and ends up in Amsterdam, uh,
0: he hasn't got too much to worry about. But the sham referendum, Jack, more more broadly, is it has allowed. Russia to hold to, to have some uh, faux legal um, uh, determination that that, that, that what it, what it grabbed what it grabbed in um, in the invasion is now theirs uh, <clears throat> and so how does the world respond to that because you know Putin's rhetoric is now saying that this is our territory this is Russia Russia forever by the way and uh, and any and any uh, incursion into those lands will will draw a response and and, and and intimating that that response may be a nuclear one.
1: Yeah, but perhaps it, it might not be a, a, an altogether bad thing if uh, Putin finds some way to declare some kind of victory and the, the war, if not, it doesn't end, it kind of peters out into a stalemate. That might, that might not be a bad result in the circumstances.
0: I mean, I just look at this with a, with a, uh, with a view
1: that, um, uh, you know,
0: this is like, you know, the, the annexation of Sudetenland, you know, the, the, the land grabs of, of Hitler uh, in, in the late 1930s before he went too far in Poland and, and, and brought about the start of the
1: European conflict, the Second World War. I mean, the just... difference is, if I may interrupt just for a second, is that when Hitler was doing that, um, uh, he had a, a rapidly uh, building, very, very efficient, a sort of a new state of the art military that was going to be able to roll across Europe. Vladimir doesn't have that.
0: Oh, he most certainly doesn't. So the question is what are we prepared to pay to, dis- to, to get rid of Putin and his regime? Is that the game? Is that the game? Is that what we should be doing? Because it, what what I'm really saying about the you know the the, the parallels with uh, the, the the genesis of uh, the Second World War is that uh, if you allow Putin uh, this this victory, then he'll want more, uh, and and at some point you have to say
1: what are we prepared to pay to to to, to get rid of him? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's a that's a question that the Europeans largely are going to have to work out.
0: What well, what we do know is that appeasement doesn't work. Well, that that is something that we do know. And and you would you would actually say that the difference between the genesis of the Second World War uh, and um, and uh, and this situation in Ukraine the the, 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 the great difference is that that uh, NATO and the EU and the United States uh, are. Uh, heavily supporting uh, Ukraine, and uh, and to the point now where where Ukraine is making significant inroads in uh, in recapturing territory the Russians took.
1: Yes, well, time will it, it'll play out, but um, these are not really decisions for Australia to make. Ultimately, these are, these are going to be decisions that the Europeans will have to decide how much how how much pain will they bear in order to keep Ukraine or to keep all of Ukraine?
0: Well, the uh, foreign minister, Penny Wong, has, has issued a statement on, on, the, on the sham referendum, and she said the Australian government will impose further costs on Russia for its unilateral, illegal and immoral war on Ukraine. Additional targeted financial sanctions, travel bans will be imposed on 28 Russian appointed separatists, ministers and senior officials. Among them are individuals who are flouting international law to legitimise Russia's legal illegal actions in Ukraine through sham referenda, disinformation and intimidation. Uh, it goes on, and uh, people can read that through uh, Penny Wong's uh, Twitter account, or indeed through her uh, through her um, uh,
1: through a ministerial page. Uh, where there's it's a, there's a little bit about the rural Australian newspaper uh, headline um, uh, from. Uh, from uh, nineteen seventeen, I mean, we warn the, we warn the Kaiser, you know, I mean, um, Yeah, <laughs> but there's, un-
0: there's only so much. We are not major
1: that, players in this, and nor should we be. Ultimately, the decision is going to be made by the US and by Europe. Mm. Um, um, yes, indeed. No, absolutely not. Right. But Australia has a role to play.
0: We are providing them with Bush Rangers, and I believe it's going pretty slowly, well, Jack. I think there's some more on the way. I saw no, a photo yeah, yesterday but, of, <laughs> the of bushmark,
1: bush, bush rangers with little Ukrainian flags on the side.
0: Ukraine, the Ukrainians are very politely saying, can we have some more? Can we have some more quickly? I mean, there is a deal in place, and I think they've only got four or five, and, and there are many more that have been a little bit slow in arriving. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, moving on from that, uh, we have a, a new chair. Jack, or well, they, Peter Fitzsimons uh, has has stood down as uh, as the chair of the Australian Republican Movement, and the likely successor is Craig Foster, he of uh, uh, international soccer fame as an Australian player
1: and and
0: refugee activist. Um,
1: Just before we leave, Peter Fitzsimons, I know you know you're not allowed to read. Um, Mike Carlton, the sage of Avalon, um, yeah. uh, on Twitter because he ban- banned you some time ago. Uh, he, he he said that he was regretting that Peter Fiss had, had moved on from being chair of the uh, ARM. He described him as a giant of a the giant. Republican. Of the Republicans. Well, physically, he is. Physically, yeah. he is. <laughs>
0: <Yeah.
1: laughs> i <not sure> <laughs> And, and a perhaps giant in the other respect. A, uh, no, 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 um, I not think so. Well. Um, yeah. Look, first, the Craig, first thing Craig Foster happens, would be a better choice than Fitz to lead the thing. Absolutely, I think that's true. That, that I mean, was what I was looking for. He's, he, he is less divisive. Look, um, you could uh, throw think, a
0: boom bag in the corner and call it chair, uh, the chair of the Australian Republican Movement, and it'd be, it'd be an improvement on, uh, on 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 Fitz, you know. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Craig Foster seems to be
1: uh, the right sort of choice in my view. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to matter much. I think the only the only prospect of success for the Republican movement is to go back, um, uh, is, is to become much more of a grassroots organisation, um, not to have a top-down approach, no matter who's at the top. Um, I was amused to see that uh, Peter Fitzsimons was described as occasionally divisive. Um, I would have thought the more accurate thing was that he's very occasionally not divisive, um, uh, but... Even if you get the right person at the top, you need more than that. This this needs to be a grassroots movement because that's the only way they'll solve the conundrum is what kind of a model we're going to have. is a proper democratic process where people work out their differences and decide what they'll accept.
0: I I think also that, you know, the the, the truism around the republic movement, the republican movement in Australia, was that that we would have to wait until... um, the death of uh, Elizabeth II. Now that's occurred, but we also will have to wait for a period of time after her death. Uh, and, and certainly in the political cycle, this is not going to be a big issue. It's certainly not going to be a subject of a referendum in this uh, electoral cycle. So that's another, you know, that's, so they've got three years to establish that grassroots movement. Uh, they have a hybrid model. That they're proposing, uh, which is uh, nominations from states and territories and the federal parliament, uh, and then allowing people to determine their preferred uh, prime minister—sorry, uh, president—I should say their preferred president—which is essentially uh, the role of the governor general—and they will vote on a sort of ten ballot, or a ten-member 10, 10 ballot.
1: It's, oh, not, it's, I, I, I would, it's I would messy. give that about a thirty percent chance of success. It's
0: messy, messy,
1: messy. At, 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 if you put that up in a referendum, um, I think you have about a thirty percent prospect of success. Yeah.
0: All right. They've got
1: a long way to go. Yeah. In Hong Kong, Jack, you've got
0: uh, you've got COVID uh, measures still in place and some fairly harsh ones. Uh, uh, in Australia, on Friday, in the National Cabinet met. And determined that the five days of ISO for anyone testing positive for COVID were now no longer in place, and uh, that seems to be. If the scientists haven't called it, the politicians have the, the kind of the end of the pandemic, or at least you think so. Um, um, but uh, but Monique Ryan, the um, uh, the federal uh, member for Goldstein, uh, uh, no, no, uh, sorry, um, 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 Keon. Of course, mm. uh, has called on the National Cabinet to publicly release the all-health advice provided them, uh, provided to them that informed their decision
1: to scrap mandatory COVID-19 isolation. Uh, There's been I, a fair bit of outrage on Twitter about this from all the usual suspects, from uh, uh, Norman Swan on, you know. Um, uh, People, people actually confuse. They think this is a health question. It's essentially a political question, um, and it always was a political question, right back to the start of the of the uh, of the pandemic. Um, and you don't just dis- say we're going to subcontract our decision making to the health experts, to so the uh, the people who are not actually working doctors, but um, uh, bureaucrats with a medical degree. You don't hand hand over control of the government to them. You listen to what they've got to say, then you make a political call. Yes, and and I think that, that you know there are issues around
0: that, Jack. You, 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 so basically, you've got you've got someone who might be, um, let's say, a childcare worker uh, who's got uh, who's got COVID, and then comes in. Uh, to work in the childcare facility with 30, 40 little kids running around. I mean, there are some particular issues about this. But, but, uh, I mean, it just seems for me that Monarch Ryan's uh, uh, calls are are fairly excessive, given that really the, 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 the shape of COVID now is more like an influenza. So you're relying on people to do the right thing and stay away from Workplaces and aw- away from crowds when they're when they're
1: when they're ill, and the people running the childcare centre have got to uh, not rely on what the government tells them what to do. They've got to work out a, a way that suits their particular circumstances yeah. and implement it.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, so it needs to be, um, you know, um, decisions made at, within the workplace by employers and employers on how they're going to do this. Obviously, the the um, Uh, and I'm not sure when this ends, but I I think it's still in place, that if you do go down with COVID, uh, you can apply to, through the state government, and it's federally funded or part federal, part state funding, uh, and receive, uh, um, uh, I think, up to $600 per week uh, in terms of uh, lost income. But that will go too. All right. Um, And, and, And even with
1: that, I think... Uh, employers and employees have got to come to some sort of compromise how the whole thing works. But that's a business-by-business, situation-by-situation solution, not a, um, a, a national government solution.
0: Yes, Jack, indeed. And, and look, uh, just to tell us, um, you know, <laughs> basically uh, we're, we're just moving on now because on the weekend uh, the Conservative Political Action Conference uh, ran in Australia, uh, where conservatives got around and talked about themselves, did a bit of naval gazing, and it all led to questions about where does the Liberal uh, Party's future lie? And and I'd add I'd, I'd add on does it have one? Uh, um, but uh, they had a you know had, had this uh, rah rah event. You always know when political parties are in trouble, Jack, when, when they're sitting around talking about whether uh, how they're going to proceed. Uh, it was a, a, stable for, a stable for the, for the Labour Party for a long time when they were, when they were in opposition, uh, and, uh, and, and that sort of naval gazing that goes on is never very helpful, and reporting of it never very helpful.
1: Um, well, I, I, well, I was a participant in in, in in quite a few of those, and it, it, the, the discussions became almost theological. It was almost like a bunch of uh, Anglican priests arguing over how many angels you could fit on the end of a pin. Nah. You know, um, and, and and about as useful as that. Yeah. I was just amused that Australia had a, a CPAC. Oh, personally. it's a but new I mean, thing, Jack. Th- th- um, these have been a fixture of it. or four years, I think. Now, yeah. yeah. These have been a feature of the US political um, system for quite some time. Yeah. But we've never had a, a kind of, in Australia, we've never had, um, uh, a uh, I guess, a conservative faction even, really. We've had the dries and the wets in the Liberal Party. Um, uh, and the, but, but we've never had a kind of a conservative movement in the way that CPAC uh, caters to in the US.
0: Yeah, look, it, it, there, there were protesters outside, at the front, Jack, um, uh, when uh, when they had their conference. So CPAC speakers included UK politician Nigel Farage. Oh, gee, I wish I had known he was there or have turned up. Uh, coalition senators Matt Canavan and Alex Antic, both of whom would be, I'd, I'd suggest, unelectable in the House of Representatives, and Indigenous leader Warren Mundine, who proved himself to be unelectable. Um... <clears throat> I mean, I, you know, I'll get to the Tony Abbott uh, op-ed in the Australia today in a minute. Uh, former Senator Nick Minchin basically said, and I think this is pretty much close to your view, Jack, he said, look, the Liberal Party doesn't have to change a whole lot. Uh, and that drew to angry, <laughs> angry yelling and screaming from those assembled uh, uh, with members shouting down his suggestion that a strong Liberal Party is the only way to defeat Labor.
1: Uh, well, I, I, I think Nick Mick, Mick Minchin is right. They had one major thing they needed to change after the election. And they've already done that. They've gotten rid of Scott Morrison, um, who was electoral poison by the time the election by the, by the time his second election as prime minister mm-hmm. came around. Um, and as for the rest of it, that that will just work itself out as they as they go along. Well, we'll now draw you to the uh, well I'll, I'll start
0: with Amanda Stoker who really got thumped by her own party um, she was put number three on the on the, uh, on the Senate ballot uh, for the LNP in Queensland and I'm never going to get through uh, she lashed her former co- coalition colleagues for failing to fight the last election on party principles saying the federal opposition needed to urgently reconnect with its core values Whatever they are, if it wish to return to government I added that little bit in I, I I think it's I think it's a party running around with an identity crisis Jack uh, <coughs> uh, and this uh, this idea and I'll get to have it in a minute uh, this idea that if they f- that if they shift further to the right they'll become somehow more electable is, is absolute nonsense to me. They're about to have their asses handed to them in in Victoria in in November. Uh, they uh, are looking extremely shaky uh, in New South Wales uh, in March of next year. Uh, I think this is a party that really has had and I've been able to basically smooth over its identity crisis for a very very long time. And I'll go on to say this is not the time to be. Uh, this is not the time to be one, electorally un- unsuccessful, and two, um, um, musing on where you, w- on musing on, 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 on your whole raison d'etre as a political party, because you can very quickly be dismissed from the entire, uh, from the entire shooting match if you're not, if you're not very careful. And again, I, I sort of point across the Nullarbor and say, look what happened to you in WA. Now, that wasn't because you were left or right uh, or moderate or conservative. That was because you ceased to be uh, you ceased to be um, uh, a, a prospect to be elected
1: in a state election.
0: That's what happened.
1: Um, I might be wrong about this, but I think in New South Wales, if Gladys Berejiklian has survived, they would be at least a 50-50 chance of success there. The problems in Victoria are not policy problems, they are structure of the Victorian branch of the of the Liberal Party problems and personnel problems. Um they've got the wrong people in charge and part of that is because the state Liberal Party branch in, in Victoria has been a mess for a long time and that's led to the wrong people getting into Parliament for the Liberal Party. Oh, so I don't the think there's off a office. complete basket case. It needs yeah. to be reformed from the top yes. down. Yeah, and, and and as an old Labor member, uh, that's happened to the Labor Party in the past. It happened in Victoria. Um, uh, it was uh, uh, the, what were called the participants at the time, the independents, um, uh, uh, people like John Cain Sr and um, uh, Richard McGarvey and, uh, and a few others, uh, with some help from the Federal Party, went in and reformed the Victorian branch. And without that, there'd have been no Whitlam government and there certainly would have been no Kane governments or any, any any of that kind. Yeah. Sometimes you need to do it. You've got to get in there and get tough.
0: Yeah, look, I know and the that, history. And that
1: needs to happen in Victoria. I know the
0: history. What I'm saying now is that, that, that the electorate is, is, is far more divided, far more diverse, I should say, and that, um, uh, you know, the, the warning signs from from what happened in the federal election are uh, you know, cannot be dismissed. Where you've basically got... Um, You've basically. Oh, I see your uh, your home renovators have returned. Yeah, they're, they're back working. Really. <laughs> oh, good lord! Um, um, uh, but uh, you, you know, th- these problems can become existential in the current political environment. Uh, and you know, the, the Liberal Party needs to think very seriously about who it
1: stands for. That's what. Who are its constituents? Well, I, than I think Labour faces that exact prime same problem. Labour's been struggling for, for 10 years on working out whether it's the party of the inner urban um, uh, progressives or whether it's the party of the wider um, uh, working and lower middle class aspirational people. It struggled with that. The Liberal Party struggling with much the same sort of problem. And when you're winning, it gets all papered over. And when you're not winning, it looks terrible. I appreciate, appreciate that too. but um, but I think if you're engaged in
0: this kind of fussing and feuding amongst yourselves, it's even worse. It makes it oh, even worse. looks terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'll just read a few lines from uh, Tony Abbott's op-ed in the Australia today. The art of politics hasn't fundamentally changed just because in fear of a virus, governments around the world have put billions of people under virtual house arrest and spent volumes of money that were completely unprecedented outside wartime. We still have to be the Freedom Party. That means getting taxes down, which means getting spending down, which means at the very least, no new spending that's not paid for by savings elsewhere. God dear, oh dear, that man is just a muddle. That means getting regulation down. So good, people can make the most of their lives without having to answer to officialdom on everything from the colour of their heat-absorbing homes to the pronouns they use. You know, it's just empty stuff. I mean, this is a bloke, by the way, who, was, who basically was told by his own electorate, a very conservative electorate, or a very strong Liberal Party electorate, that they just they couldn't have him anymore. And, and, and there seems to have been no lessons learned there either. It's part of what we're talking about, Jack. Is that the 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 old Liberal Party strongholds are now filled with high income earners who
1: who veer socially progressive. That's yeah, the that's, problem that, they have. That's precisely the, 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 what I was talking about. Both the parties face a difficulty of having um, different parts of of their own support moving in different directions. Um, Labor solved that at least temporarily by having a couple of wins, because when you win, it doesn't matter. Um, but when you're not winning, it looks terrible. And, and the Liberals just going to have to suck that up and deal with it. Um, and doing it in public is never a great plan. Have these Barneys in private, get, a, get them over and done with. Yeah, look, I'd say if, if it's very bad in Victoria and then it's quite
0: bad in New South Wales, I mean, that would mean no, no Liberal governments anywhere on the... On, on continental Australia I still have one in Tasmania uh, and there's really not a lot of projected victories coming their way I mean you might give them a chance the LnP a chance in Queensland but that's still two years away and and it can really just cause problems um, it, can, it can cause the sort of political isolation um, uh, that uh, that as I said thr- can threaten to become existential. You would not expect to see Peter Dutton down in Victoria campaigning at all, I wouldn't imagine, would you? Uh, I think there'd be no point in him going down there. <laughs> <win>. <laughs> They're not going to win. They're not going to win, that's right. That's the first question, I suppose. But also that he would probably make things a little worse. It'll be very interesting to see what campaigning he does in New South Wales, if any.
1: Um, yeah. At the moment, I think in the federal sphere, he's going about as well as anybody could be expected after an electoral route like that. I actually don't Um, disagree with that. I I just think that's plugging along and doing a pretty solid job, is how I would put it. Yeah.
0: Well, look, just to remind us that uh, the conservative wing of the Liberal Party is uh, not a sort of ossified, um, uh, petrified uh, um, group of old men who uh, are shaking their fists at clouds. On Sunday, veteran broadcaster Alan Jones joined others in decrying the Morrison government's economic mismanagement and response to COVID-19, saying it willingly oversaw the immobilisation of the country and failed to consider expert opinion that disagreed with Australia's hardline approach. We had federally the worst fiscal record of any post-war government bigger than the Whitlam government, he said. Good on, good old Alan Jones. Gives him a break from... His YouTube musings. Um, I would suggest any party that's listening to Alan Jones, any political party that's listening to the advice of Alan Jones, is in a very, very dark place. Or, or if it's not, it's about to be. Um,
1: I could never understand why people took so much notice of him. He had his ratings were okay, but he really spoke to spoke to and for very few people, um, uh, in my opinion. Bob seemed um, to be obsessed about. It. Yes, yes they were. They basically um, appointed ministers just responsible for for dealing with it. So, I, mean, it
0: really yeah, I
1: could I could never understand that. I've got to confess. Um, although, although, on this this occasion, I've got to say, uh, I agree with him that the um, the shutting off of Australia was an awful error. Yeah, a, Closing uh, the borders, we'll, we'll pay a prior price for that for a long time. Closing the borders for as long as we did. Certainly in
0: hindsight, but I also think, you know, with some foresight was, was 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 a poor move. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what it's done is actually caused uh, prof- fairly profound economic problems, not just in relation to immigration, uh, but also uh, also in relation to basically cutting off a lot of supply routes from uh, from overseas. And and those things are still there. You might think, oh no, well we used to get supplied from From uh, this country or that country, and now we no longer do. Uh, But surely that should be fairly easy to re-establish. But international trade doesn't work that way. So we have still have you know supply problems coming
1: into this country, causing economic hardship. And that was that's 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 because people. Nothing stands still. If people yeah. can't trade with us, they'll trade with someone else instead. Yeah, exactly right. So you, you can't and, just and, and if ring be, them up if and people, say, "Can you can you send us over a, a shipload of yeah. that, please?" Because uh, we're back in business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for a couple of years, no international business people could come into Australia and do business. Well, they don't just sit on their backside while uh, that two years yeah, goes oh. up. But, but they go somewhere else and do business. Yeah. You know? All
0: right. Yes. Uh, uh, moving on.
1: Jack, sport.
0: Huge weekend of sport. Fuck, that's loud, man. <laughs> and in sports, a huge weekend of sport. Uh, NRL grand final, didn't it? You know, did you did you get this uh, impression too? I know I did. That it was like the AFL grand final, circumstantially anyway. In that the best team. Uh, came up with their best on grand final day, and it would have beaten anybody.
1: Yeah, they were never never at any risk of, of losing. Yeah, they they really,
0: uh, in fact, uh, uh, <laughs> their uh, their playmaker, the coach's son, said that they played as well as, as, in that first half as they played before. Um, and, and you know, it was too good for the Eels, who hung in there. I mean, I don't think they did a whole lot. wrong. They dropped a little bit of ball. Um, Harry yeah, McCoy, Panthers. Uh, Panthers uh, full-back Dylan Edwards won the Churchill medal for BOG. Uh, but it was just a comprehensive a comprehensive win from what is clearly the best side. in it have been really...
1: Arguably over the last three years And certainly in the last two Yes The question always is, well at least they've got The two uh, comps out of this You know, Um, you you kind of Worry when you're the best side Now, You'll remember this fondly But Essendon were the best side in the comp For about three years, around the turn Of the century, um, but only walked Away with one flag Yeah, along came Brisbane and
0: sort of Put put an end to it Um, And it can happen really quickly and and we'll get onto some of the trade stuff that's going on uh, in the AFL at the moment but it would seem to me that there's a fair amount of um, players who want to leave Melbourne footy club and uh, and uh, that you know that it may well be that that that, that what we thought was going to be uh, an epoch an era from the from the Melbourne uh,
1: footy club uh, will only just be the one you know
0: just the one flag. we'll see time will tell, tell.
1: Was that because they signed those key midfielders to long and lucrative deals and everybody else can see that there's no opportunity for them to get one of those?
0: I'll get to a cart and I've sort of come up with a similar sort of deal. Yeah, like they did that, but I think they had to. I mean that, that that's that that's the base of their of their footy going forward. And they need to secure those guys and, and secure them on good money. Um,
1: but they're, they're I'm, I'm, be I'm not sure you've got to, to sign party. people. I'm not sure about the long deals, I've got to say.
0: Well, uh, we're just talking about Carlton now. Uh, uh, Harry Mackay has just signed a seven-year extension at Carlton, uh, and that comes on top of Cripps signing a six-year extension. Kerno six, and Walsh four, and those are the you know the, the, those are their key players going forward, with the, with the possible exception of Jacob Weedering. And I'm not sure what his contractual arrangements are, but I think he's on a fairly long contract as well. Um, there was some talk that Harry McConnell might go and join his brother at North Melbourne, but uh, that <laughs> perhaps wouldn't have been poor old North. They, they just can't get a get a thing right. Jack, I mean, uh, their their number one draft picker last year has indicated that's Jason Horn Francis has indicated he wants to leave, go to Port Adelaide, and they've invested a fair bit of time and money into the guy and. And, uh, you know, he's, he's saying his reason to go is that the club's not stable.
1: Yeah, we'll get a good deal if I'm letting go.
0: What are you going to get for him? I mean, you'd have to get at least two high draft picks. Two. Yep. Uh, and, and hopefully three. Um, but, it's yeah, once they say they want to go, that, that you really can't sort of hang around and, and hold their hands. You can't have them coming back. Um, so yeah, no, it's the it's the trade period in the AFL now. Uh, there'll be a lot of toing and froing. Um, uh, the big uh, the big one will be uh, uh, what sort of trade is involved in uh, the Melbourne Demons' second ruckman and, and tall forward uh, Jackson, uh, and he'll be going across west, um, probably to the Eagles. Um, so what are they going to get for him? I mean, he's a ready-made football. He's already a star. Uh, those are going to be the big things. That are, that 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 will be the big thing. Um, Lob from Fremantle will be coming across somewhere, um, and it, yes, there are a lot of clubs. Collingwood seem to be very active in trading, uh, and uh, and Richmond as well, who look like they might pick up a couple of Giants midfielders and and uh, paper over the cracks of their midfield.
1: Yeah, uh, I think the long term deals work. Um, when it's more than a more than football is at stake, it's not just a football question. So Buddy Franklin, the long term deal there, everyone decried that at the time. It worked really well for the Swans, but not just for his football, but because God, he sold a lot of a lot of merch, uh, yeah. put a lot of bums on seats. You know, um, uh, uh, as a pure football decision, I don't think it's I think it's really a great call to have people on seven or eight nine year deals. Depends uh,
0: depends on their age. Depends on the sort of footballer they are. So with someone like Pat Cripps, for example, who won the uh, John Nicholls medal with the uh, best and fairest for Carlton, uh, which was not a surprising thing. He's now won four of them, Jack. He's uh, uh, got got a fairly distinguished list. Won the Brownlow, of course, this year. Uh, AFL Players Association MVP in 2019. Uh, not a lot wrong with this football. You'd want to keep him. Uh, you'd want to keep him on, you know, and, and offer those sort of six, sort of six for so it, it seems like Carlton have at least stitched up Mackay, Cripps, Kurnow, and Walsh uh, to be sort of Carlton players for life. Um, disturbing news for North Melbourne, and 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 this plays into the the Hawthorne furor over the allegations made against uh, Alastair Clarkson and. Uh, 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 and has has gone on to uh, to affect Chris Fagan at the Brisbane Lions, who's stood down. they both sort of not coaching at the moment, and and Clarkson won't start his uh, coaching at North Melbourne on November one, as as he indicated. Um, and it leaves you know there's every there's every chance that Clarkson won't be able to coach, and uh, and going and going forward, North Melbourne have just basically banked everything on him coaching.
1: Uh, What a shambles the Hawthorne thing uh, has turned into, as I thought it would from day one, Um, and um, now it looks like they're struggling to find people to go on the uh, AFL Commission of Inquiry.
0: Well, I I think the AFL Inquiry can can almost be dismissed, Jack. I mean, it just doesn't mm. have any legal weight, doesn't it? Can't compel witnesses. It it, it, it doesn't uh, s- subject uh, allegations to any cross examination. There's no legal process there at all. It's really just to come in and tell us your story.
1: It but, will be a, it will be a disgrace if two um, uh, distinguished careers are ended on the basis of untested allegations. And that's where we are at the moment. Um, and that's just bad management of the situation by Hawthorne and by the AFL. Yeah, well what's happened is a statutory authority has left
0: into the vacuum here. And so Victoria's WorkSafe, which is their um, uh, 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 oversight body in regard to… Um, um, uh, Hockey health and safety. Yeah, Oc health and safety have begun an investigation today. We are dealing with allegations that go back, I believe, to 2016, a little bit earlier and a little bit later. Uh, yeah, 2011, I think. 2011 to
1: 2016. Yeah, some of
0: those, some of those documents may not be available. Um, I mean, Hawthorne Footy clubs uh, it doesn't have to keep documents that are 11 years old, 10 years old, um, but they do have to keep them up to seven. So they'll, they'll at least. Uh, conduct some sort of investigation, and beyond that, it seems like this will only end up in the civil courts. Uh, Worksafe are not an appropriate body
1: to investigate this at all.
0: Well, at least they can in, investigate whether any breaches of uh, breaches of industrial relations law have occurred, Jack.
1: Yes, but that's only part of the questions that are on the table here. Yeah, it, it, it's just—it's just a shambles because it was badly managed by Hawthorne and by the AFL right from the beginning, and they haven't got back in control of it, they haven't got to on top of the issue, and they need to very quickly.
0: Um, I don't know what happens, Jack, if, if we have, let's say, you know, you have your AFL investigation, which is really just a storytelling exercise, um, but if that hasn't resolved anything by November, December, presumably those coaches should be well, would be, going back to coach
1: their clubs. Um, if, if an attempt is made to prevent them from doing that, they will demand and will get, either, either directly or through the courts, um, uh, the right to test these allegations properly. That means to cross-examine people who are making them um, uh, and to put them to a proper, proper test.
0: Yeah. But people
1: are not going to – people who are on a million bucks a year are not going to have their livelihood taken away from them without a fight.
0: Oh, well, that's what I mean. There's just going to be civil – there's going to be civil cases. There's going to be all sorts of stuff. But, a bit, but I don't think we – with the AFL investigation, at least, we're ever going to get to a finding that could lead to proper conclusions being drawn. And whether they mispropriety or poor behavior or poor conduct i don't think the AFL is going to come up with it, going to have
1: an ability to to make those determinations well i think we're, I think they're about ten days behind their own schedule for appointing this inquiry aren't they yeah like i
0: say that they can't compel witnesses they can't uh, they can't uh, people's claims cannot be cross examined you know it's uh, it's it's no way of getting to the bottom
1: of this and if you're a lawyer in Melbourne, would you want the job of going on that um, on that uh, commission of inquiry? It's a shocker. All right, yeah.
0: And cricket season is upon us, of course, Jack. Uh, we've had the Marsh Cup. There have been quite a few games played in that early, early days. Um, but uh, in a shock outcome on the weekend, I watched some of this, uh WA absolutely monstered New South Wales in a uh, in a 50-over side game, uh, knocking New South Wales all out for 76 at the Wacker. Uh,
1: might have been an error to um, uh, at the toss, I think. <laughs> <wasn't it? laughs>
0: yes, the uh, New South Wales skipper did win the toss. Had a look at the wicket, which looked pretty green to me. But it didn't misbehave. The wicket didn't misbehave. I'd just say the Western Australians just bowled beautifully. They bowled. They, they knocked over Blakes with swing. Um, you know the wacker wicket wasn't misbehaving in any real way. It wasn't. It uh, wasn't seeming about, but the ball was swinging a lot. Jai Richardson picked up five. Uh, Berendorf got two or three, uh, and absolutely belted uh, New South Wales and got got the seventy seven runs required in a bed twelve overs. So. Um, uh, with, with the loss of just the one wicket, so yes, an absolutely an absolute belting, and then uh, the, the Western Australian boys, uh, fresh from their victory, and the New South Wales players, fresh from their loss, will get uh, will will uh, be rising uh, uh, the, uh, around about now and getting ready to play in the first Sheffield Shield game, Jack.
1: Yeah, we like... uh as, as happens around the world, a lot's got to be done to protect county cricket and Sheffield Shield cricket and, uh, uh, you know, was well, it Sheffield Shield?
0: Sheffield Shield, I'd certainly say, so needs protection. County cricket, I think there's a, there's a bit of an issue about the counties and, and, uh, and, and there are some real needs for reform there. But with the Sheffield Shield, you've got, you know, four hard days of cricket. And, and yeah. that's that's how you breed good test players. It uh, is indeed. It's a, it's, a, it's the best form of the competition. We apologise to our listeners. Uh, with uh, there's been a bit of building noise going on there. Jack's just installing uh, a ballroom, I think, just above the me- just above the mezzanine. Uh, so there's been a bit of a racket there. Um, but it is the vo- it is the sounds of Hong Kong, Jack. Constant yeah, yeah constant uh, work being done on apartment
1: blocks. But this one's going very close. As, especially, on my, I think this apartment block's about 45, 50 years old. So oh, uh, yeah. the older ones, they're very attractive. They've got the higher ceilings, colonial style they're called here, right? But, um, the, the old buildings. But uh, they're lovely places to live, but there's always someone always doing, someone doing some, some, work. <laughs> some work. on them. So,
0: yeah. Yes, your yes, yes. listeners will have picked that up. A uh, fair amount of drilling going on in the background there. We do apologise for that. There's nothing we could do. Uh, we did pause a couple of times to wait for it to stop, but uh, but uh, um, uh, the uh,
1: the construction industry moves on regardless. Um, yeah, they uh, they they get the kanga hammer out and they reduce the apartments back to the concrete shell and start again. Start and again the, the, yeah. That does a great job, but it does take some noise to get
0: there. Well, you'll have uh, you'll have that to uh, be your partner for a little while. You'll you'll be, you'll be your friend. That noise going on there for a little while, Jack. And I'll leave that with you. Uh, thank you for joining us again today, Jack. And uh, Pleasure, give us mate. the Benefit of your opinions particularly. On the national uh, anti-corruption body, Uh, Jack made some excellent points there, too, I think. that We all say, oh, yes, terrific having an anti-corruption commission, but why again? Why are we doing it again? All right. Um, So um, uh, we'll leave it there. And I just want to remind our listeners to to drop us a line. We know we've been off the air a little bit. We've had a few little technical problems. Uh, Giles fled to the United States. He may well be going to Central America. Um, uh anywhere where there's no extradition treaty with Australia and, uh, and but he but he has he has been in contact with us and uh, we do expect to be posting uh, a whole lot of stuff. We've been recording in earnest Jack uh, and then uh, and then it's it sort of uh, it's sort of disappeared into the ether a little bit so we're a couple of weeks behind in terms of posting but we've been hard at it and uh, we'll be bringing all that to you over the next few days. Thank you for your patience, listeners. See you, Jack. Cheers, mate. All the best.